you should have a and uh, and the handouts in the email or on the back table. And so you can follow along. You don't need to worry if you missed scripture. Okay. And I would encourage you to keep this lesson with you through the holidays. You know, holidays are coming up. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like even though it's supposed to be making merry, I can ruin it with my girls. <laughs> All the details and the pressure and the extended family you have to be with. Get to be with. Get to be with. All right. Just, I know Laura prayed. Laura, thank you for the, the music this morning. Laura sings with her whole heart, and I love that. Um, that's how we need to come to the word is the whole heart. There is Jesus. We just thank you. Thank you so much for your work. We thank you. We have loved Psalm 119 this semester. Lord, looking at the heart of David, looking at the heart of someone who struggles as we do, Lord, and looks to you for their strength and for the, to revive their spirit. Lord, I pray that today we do just that. Pray that you would help us to put aside the things of the world and spend this good, solid time together this morning, Lord, refreshing and reviving your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've covered quite a few topics this fall, haven't we? We've talked our way through. Um, we've been talking about walking in God's way. That's what makes us blessed. That's what, where we find happiness is walking in God's way. And um, we've talked through being content. We've talked through um, how to be joyful in the midst of life when things are hard. We've talked about depression and how to um, take in God's word to alleviate that, um, that stress. And we've learned to really, really lean in on God's word as the answer to those things, to meditate on it, to, to seek God through his word. That's the way we connect with him. And all those things so that we be not ashamed, so that we walk in a way that's worthy, walk in a way that pleases him. So, you know, David has shown us, um, I know we've read this portion quite a bit, but I think I'll just go ahead and read this morning just to kind of set the context. We won't be explicitly in Psalm 119. There's a lot of good proverbs on the tongue, and we're going, to, we're going to hang out there some and some good scripture from the New Testament, too. But it's all modeling David's example to us, okay? And David says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. And that's kind of where we're going to hang out today. What do we do with your lips? What does God want us doing with our mouth and our tongue and our words? I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
so David kind of, you know, he gives us a really close look at how he struggles. You know, I love Paul, I love Peter, I love David. They show us what life's really like. Yeah, God's standard is here, but we're here. How, how does that gap filled in? Well, it's through God. It's through our relationship with him, his word, his spirit. And then not only does he tell us about the struggle, he gives us a, a bird's eye view of, of what his relationship with God is like. So here I am, Lord, I'm a mess. Here's what I should be. Help me, keep me there. Help me walk in your ways. Teach me, give me wisdom. And so, you know, when we watch that, we see that David takes in God's word. And when we take in, what we take in determines what comes out. So what comes out of David? Out of David comes honesty, and out of David comes um, uh, this, this recognition that life is a struggle. In Psalm 19, 14, it says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, those two things to go together, what I'm putting in, what I'm meditating on, determine what comes out of my mouth. Some of the ladies and I were talking this morning. There's just, there's so many really hard things going on in our world right now, and that can really weigh on us. And sometimes we don't realize things are weighing on us until something comes out of our mouth and we go, where did that come from? And you realize, oh, it's all the news feeds I'm reading or watching, following. It's the news. It's the, you know, the whole details of things going on. And, you know, so I'm, I'm apparently I'm dwelling there because what's coming out of my mouth is stressful and maybe not very nice. So what we put in determines what comes out. Um, so uh, I wanted to uh, just look at Psalm 57. Was you know the, the whole Psalms? You, you could put, you know you could open to any one of them <laughs> and find David's praise to God. But what David does with his words is, in spite of what's going on, he praises God. So Psalm 57, seven to eleven, he says, "My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Do we have a heart?" Um, steadfast heart ladies or do we let the world kind of wobble us up and shake us up awake says i will sing and give praise awake my glory awake lute and heart i will awaken the dawn and that gives a picture of him waiting to get up out of bed just i can't wait to get up and praise the lord how many of us wake up and say i can't wait why but jan but i can't wait to get up and praise the lord you know sometimes i wake up and I go oh you know, kind of searching for, you know, what's heavy. I don't know why I do that. Uh, but to wake up and anticipate, I get to spend another day with the Lord. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy, re I'm sorry, for your mercy reaches under the heavens and your truth under the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. So what does David do with his words? He gives testimony. He gives testimony what's coming out of our mouth, okay? Uh, yeah, you've probably heard the example of like the teacup. Like if a teacup is sitting on the counter and it gets bumped, what comes out of it is what's in it. You know, sometimes we say, oh, I, I couldn't help acting like that. I got bumped. Well, if you got bumped and you acted like that, it's because that, that was already in you. So, um, you know, the bumps don't make us do bad things it's, or say bad things or have bad reactions. It's what's in us. And that's why it's so important to get that word in us and to reprogram so that we can give testimony. So let's talk about the bad news for a few minutes. So the tongue, the tongue. Um, now I am going to 
read some scripture, but you don't have to turn with me. You can just hang out and listen if you want, or you can try to keep up. <laughs> so um, in James, it's probably the most well-known verse about the tongue, but it's talking about how it's this itty bitty thing, right? And it's like the rudder of a ship. You got this huge ship, but what directs the ship? It's the little rudder, you know? And um, we can we can tame horses as people. We can tame animals, but we can't tame this little silly thing that between our teeth. It's so hard. Um, the tongue is a little member of both great things. So see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. Ladies, it's not like a fire. It is a fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on course, sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, a bird, a reptile, a creature of the sea is tamed and is, has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is un, an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, hear olives or a grapevine bear fruit? Figs not here, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You know, we, as Christian women, oh, we praise the Lord, don't we? We can sing us a good worship song, and we can say us a good prayer, and we can get all fired up in Bible study, but how do we treat those around us? You know, we go home, and then cursing comes out, or displeasure, or grumbling, and all the bad things that are bound up in there. God says it's not supposed to be that way, and this is how we shame God, is with our complaining and grumbling. So let's look at what, um, I have some proverbs that talk about the tongue and what makes the tongue unruly, it's pride, right? And what exactly is pride? Let's hang out there for a second. It says pride is more easily recognized than defined and listen, and is more easily detected in others than in self. Is that true? I think so. Always easy to spot on somebody else. It talk, It means things like arrogance and presumption, conceit, vanity, self-satisfaction. It's incessantly selfish. So, and it puts itself before God. Why did Satan fall? Because he exalted himself in his own mind about God. Although pride usually is thought of as a character trait by which an individual is constantly contrasting himself to others or to his own satisfaction, it's not really understood unless it is seen that its very scorn of all others allows for no comparison or competition. So my pride puts me above all others. I don't want your opinion. I don't want to give you credit for anything. It is a perversity of nature that is profoundly indifferent to the opinions and favors of others, as well as their virtues. It is it, in this cold and hateful indifference, it is most deadly. So it is all, there's nothing pretty there. <laughs> Not a thing that makes us want to be associated with that. And that's why God hates pride, because we put ourselves above all others. 
So how do we know when we're being prideful? Well, as Christians, you should get a little nudge from the Holy Spirit when something comes out of your mouth and you go, what was that? Why did I say that? Or why couldn't I just be quiet? Because you can't put it back. Like putting a toothpaste back in the thing, you can't do it. So let's look at some things that scream crying. Proverbs 9.13 talks about the fact that a foolish woman is clamorous. Clamorous, meaning loud, rebellious, and chaotic. Ladies, don't start whispering. It's not that kind of loud, okay? Make it mild. No, it doesn't mean you can't talk loud. Sometimes some of us talk too quiet. It's not talking about volume. It's talking about uh, loud being boastful, like wanting myself to be noticed. It's talking about being demanding. I want things my way. Those things are loud. They're not self-controlled and they're not sound-minded. And they're very, very prominent today, aren't they? Uh, um, Proverbs 11.2 says, pride brings shame. So we talked a couple weeks ago about being not ashamed, right? If we say we're a Christian, then our words should reflect that and our actions should reflect that. If we say we're a Christian and they don't, then we, should, we are ashamed before God. I said, I knew you, but I couldn't hold my tongue. There was an incident this week. There's a soccer player that's an uh, American soccer player. She hates America. Apparently she hates God too. And um, it was the last game of their um, season. And I think it was her retirement game. And she was injured. And apparently it was a pretty bad injury. Like she'd probably never play again. And her comments to the media were, well, that just proves there's no God. Because he hurt me, and, you know, I got hurt in the last thing. <clears throat> so God revolves around her and should have blessed her and helped her perform, even though she hates him. That's shameful. That's a shameful statement. Um, and it's out there for all of eternity. Everybody heard it, right? Um, pray for her soul. And I remember back to when I was younger and the, the Beatles were so popular, and one of the Beatles said, we're more popular than Jesus. I think it was John Lennon's. You know? That's an awful thing to say. That's a shameful thing to say to, to claim prominence over God. We do the same. We just do it on lesser scales. <laughs> Proverbs 14.3. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. But wise lips will preserve them. So the wise lips will preserve them, meaning the, the owner of the lips <laughs> will be preserved with wise words. But the mouth of a fool is like a rod. How many things do we, what does a rod do? It hurts. You've been slapped by a rod? Man, that hurts. It stings. Our little tongue's out there slapping everybody around because we think what we have to say is so important. In Proverbs 20, 23, slander is of a fool. And this word slander means whisperings. It means defamation, evil report. And it leads to this whole chain of sinful um, thinking and behaviors, backbiting, 
jealousy, anger, unforgiveness. And when we hold somebody, when we put someone in our sights to slander them, we don't want other people to think well of them either, so we're going to put it out there. This is what they did. This is what they did to me. And when we slander or gossip, same, same meaning, um, we align ourselves with Satan. Satan is the accuser. And who are we to accuse? We don't know someone else's thoughts. Our job as Christians is to love them. And that doesn't mean that we accept everything, but that means that we are as generous as we can in our opinion of them. We pray for them and we speak the truth to them. But we don't try to defame them to other people. Slander is of a fool. <clears throat> How about 2119? Talks about, um, you know, I don't have the full. It's about being fretful and grumbling. That's worded. You can never, I hate paraphrasing because I never can say it as good as the scripture does. I've tried paraphrasing, I'm not very good at it. Um, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Ooh. <laughs> wow. And the, the translation is fretful and quarrelsome. And some of you know the different versions that have different words, but the one I looked it up was fretful and quarrelsome. Now, if I'm unhappy and complaining, it is going to come out in my in the things that I say. And you know what grumbling is against? It's not against anything here, it's against God. God, I'm not happy with what where you've put me. I'm not happy with my home. I'm not happy with my husband. I'm not happy with my job. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm grumbling. So those are all the things, you know, in our natural state, that's where our tongues live, in this negative, prideful space. But if we can't control our tongues, then there is someone who can, and that's Jesus. And I love, uh, in Psalm 119, there's several places um, I didn't mark them for today, but where David talks about being aware of his own sin and turning. And that's not like a little slight adjustment. That's turning 180 degrees, the opposite direction. So when God convicts me, something's come out of my mouth and I'm like, man, you know, just stop, just stop, turn, turn. What does pride do? Pride wants to push us on and make that okay and justify it and say, this is why I did that. And if things weren't this way, I wouldn't have been that way. That's a stop, turn. And what is that, ladies? That's humility. And that's, we need to obey God. And when we allow that, when we have this open heart to him, when that, when we stump up, when we trip up, we can stop, ask forgiveness of God and for anybody else we've offended and just start up. <coughs> God never says you're done. <laughs> you failed. <laughs> That's all you get. So, this, and when we allow God to, to direct our thoughts through his words, that's called discretion. And that's wisdom. So wisdom can come out of our mouth if we're relying on God and his word. In Proverbs 2.11, it talks about discretion will preserve you and keep, protect. That word keep is protect. Well, I just like speaking my mind. 
Well, is that going to get you? You know, that gives you bondage because of all the repercussions. Freedom comes in obeying God's word and walking according to his wisdom. Ladies, that's true freedom. Satan will try to uh, commit you otherwise. Oh, you know, you, you deserve to say that. You deserve to feel that way. This is a spiritual battle. This is not just about what we see in this room. This is a spiritual battle. But God is here to get us through that battle. So if you were to think about your home and, you know, your presence there, what do you think people think of your words? Mom is. My wife is. Huh. <laughs> Ladies, I want you to know I am talking right here. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, this these can be kind of scary assignments, but you go home and ask your family, you know, do you think, and give them something specific, like, do you think I grumble a lot? Do you think I complain? Am I critical? Don't ask them all at once. You might faint. <laughs> but just kind of work towards that. And don't be afraid to ask. Because so many times, you know, I've, I've been at this Bible study for years. And I'll go home and ask Rosie. And like, well, like, what do you mean, well? Uh, I thought I was doing so good. But we just don't hear ourselves because we are so entrenched in ourselves. <laughs> like, seriously, all right, back to the drawing board. Is this better? Is this better? <laughs> Hmm. My husband is no different than everybody else. Isn't it Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> Can I help you pack? Can I load the car? Can I fix your dinner? <laughs> oh, gosh. I guess another way to ask that is do people trust you? You know, uh, whenever I call Carol Mason, she'll go, Am I in trouble? <laughs> like, no, girl, you're not in trouble. I just have a question. You know, do I have that effect on people? Do I? Do I scare them because they know, you know, she's going to take the time to call me. She's going to complain about something. Uh, or, or, you know, people are afraid of a lash. Oh, here she comes. So let's look at what it takes to be a godly woman in our, with our words. Proverbs 31, 26. Says that, of course, it's, you probably all know this one, but it's Proverbs 31, woman. Uh, and it's... Um, just this beautiful picture of a Christian woman. And it's one of the most important things it says about her is she is uh, wise and she speaks with kindness on her tongue. Kindness. Ladies, how are we one to Jesus? By his kindness. How are we going to win anybody to him with tongue that lashes like a rod? That's the opposite of being kind. Um, so we, we've, we've read this before, but I, there's a, the, I want you to listen to the last line. It says, remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. Oh, Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. When I think about that enlarging your heart, you know, that's, that's enlarging our capacity, Right. So it doesn't all happen at once. I don't want anybody to be discouraged today. I want y'all to be encouraged that, you know, with an open heart to God, our words can become blessings to others. They can become kind. And we sometimes we have to try. 
confess. <laughs> we fail, we confess, we start over, but don't lose heart because God will enlarge our capacity. Isn't that a wonderful thing to look forward to? So God's word changes us in many, many ways. It changes our minds. He alters the way we think. When you hear things, uh, you know, in the news or whatever, or the culture, you think, whoa, how did, where did that come from? But you know what? Um, that's because your change, your thinking has changed. There's probably a time when you would have thought it was all okay. We all would have. We would have all bought into Satan and his crusade deceit. So 2 Corinthians 10.5, very well-known scripture. So what does God want us to do with those thoughts? He wants us to take them captive, not to just let them fly around all day. And he's talking in, in um, chapter 10, Paul's talking about spiritual warfare. Um, and he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And what are our weapons, ladies? The word, his spirit, prayer, confession, forgiveness. Those are all weapons against being tied up with Satan in his ways. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself above God is Christ. So if you're wondering, I don't think any of you are wondering, but if someone is wondering, you know, with the new things in culture, is there, are there more than two sexes? You know, well, what does God say? You know, and our kids might get tired of us hearing that, but that is something they need to hear from us. This is where we look to find that truth, right? Mm -hmm. What does God say? Well, these people are exalting themselves about what God says. They say something different than what God says. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your, disobe when your obedience is fulfilled. Bring every thought captive. That means you have to be paying attention. You have to be listening to what you're thinking. Sometimes we just go with the flow. And the other thing that word changes is our will. The way we act and the things that we do would be different if we are in God's word. We're not to just be hearers of the word. We're to be doers of the word also. Our emotions change, ladies. And you know what? Even if they don't, we can hold them captive, right? I may not feel blessed. I may not feel happy. But I know that if I take my thoughts captive that lean to that, that lean towards that, that God can change my mind and change my heart, change my actions, and even change my emotions. So we do what's right, Lord, um, ladies, even if we don't feel like it. And God's word changes my words. Let's look at Ephesians 4. We were, Jackie opened this up this morning. I said, oh, you want to just teach a lesson? <laughs> she already had the verse open. Ephesians 4. 
So let's look at 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So back up to twenty, beginning of 29, let no corrupt. Do you know what that word means? It means, so in some ver versions it says unwholesome, that's a pretty mild word. It actually means um, uh, putrid and rotten. Putrid and rotten. It's kind of hard to think that some of our words are that to God, isn't it? Putrid. And then in Ephesians 5, 4, if you just slide across over there, it says, um, you know, don't be talking about things that are not fitting for saints, uh, not filthiness. Not foolish talking or coarse jesting, jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So I think sometimes we engage in things without realizing the full consequence of it. So if we're not supposed to be involved in filthiness or foolish talking, I think there's a lot of things on that TV box that would fall into those um, categories of not being edifying and things that we shouldn't be spending our time on. Um, and when you think about the word um, filthy, that would mean obscene, so nakedness and sex on TV. You know, why are we watching this stuff? Um, it's shameful and it's base. Those are all words for filthy. And what about coarse jesting? What does that mean? It means mean teasing. You know, that we can kid around a, a little bit. <laughs> when, when coarse jesting, because it becomes an issue, is when it has some truth behind it. Like when you tease your husband or you tease him in public with a little bit of truth because you've told him 10 times and you're hoping that maybe now he'll listen to you. That's of course just, it's not an honest speech. It's humiliating when you're trying to humiliate somebody is of course just, and you're trying to put them in their place. I think a lot of our news media has involved, in, you know, kind of devolved down to that kind of meanness, mean-spirited, it's not really about the news. It's how entertaining can I be telling you the news? And how mean can I be about it? Um, it's about court jesting and about putting others in their place, maybe even getting even, you know, exposing some truth to somebody else's business in the name of court jesting. Just tease it. Just tease it. So much better to give things. So, Here's a, here's a better word. But what is good for necessary edification? And what does edification actually mean? In a Christian sense, it means promote another's um, growth in Christian wisdom. Uh, and their Christian wisdom and their Christian walk and their holiness and their happiness. That's how we edify. Does that mean we always agree with somebody? No. But we might point them towards the truth, right? A true friend, a true friend will give you the truth, even if it hurts, right? But that can be edifying because it, if the person is open to it, maybe it's something they didn't see and they can grow from that and be closer to the Lord. 
but that's a lot different than trying to set somebody straight. So here's a um, sweet list of Proverbs I've always held on to. I like Proverbs because they're like a snapshot, right? And a lot of them give like a really good contrast, like this or that. And then uh, they're just sweet. They really are. They're little nuggets packed with a punch. All our mamas worked hard to get here today. <laughs> you're not you're not the only one. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> you may start over. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> she's okay. She's late, but that's why she brought free salad. <laughs> uh, we're just glad you're here so we can love on you. So, so here's some nuggets to edify others. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Do you know anybody that's down? You know, I know when I'm down, sometimes I can't even think if I'm really low, if something's really hard. And I need somebody else to remind me of the truth. That's what we do for each other. And then when they're down, I can do that for them. We have to be reminded sometimes. Speaking the truth, speaking God's word is a way to remind people. 1624, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. You know, somebody that's down, send them a sweet card. Put a verse on it. It's down smooth. Honey also they have found is very healing. I'm sure God knew that. <laughs> we always seem surprised when things line up with God's word. Oh. Um, that's not a nice one. Oh, it's wrong. It was about a dog returning to its vomit. I wasn't going to read that one. Let's see. <laughs> um, 2511. A word fitly spoken is like, like apples of gold in settings of silver. What does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like a gift. Here's a gift for you. Fitly spoken. You know what? It takes knowing God's word to know what fits the situation, doesn't it? We're not talking about just giving out trite answers, you know, but being empathetic and offering God's encouragement through his word. We can say less. We do. 10.19 says, in the multitude of words, Sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. This is, a, this is a kind of a silly story, but last night I got home <laughs> and we live on a busy street. And so when we order from Amazon, we send it to the office so that it's not sitting on the busy street stolen. So I got home and my husband had already pulled up and his, both his car doors were open and the front gate was open. And I looked in and he was walking. I said, what's that package? He said, oh, it's, it's, it's a gun case I ordered. I was like, oh, okay. I said, did you have it sitting here? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I was trying to hide that from you before you said something to me because I, how many times have I told him? 
right? Do I need, do we need to repeat ourselves all the time? It's kind of a lesson. It's like, it was so funny because he was trying to keep from hearing me say, you should always send that to the office. But it was just funny because the day's about the time. But, you know, we think we have to say things over and over again, but yes, they heard us. Sometimes saying it less is better. You know, with our kids, I think instead of telling them again, you know, ask them, what do you think I would say about that? And see if they heard you, you know? Most likely they did. Well, what do you think about that? Just let them tell you back what they are instead of preaching at them all the time and telling them over and over and over again, don't let the packages be delivered to the house. You know, they know that. <laughs> I was so busted. It was so funny. Uh, and in, condition, in conjunction with, uh, with saying less, James 1.19 says, So then, my brethren, beloved brethren, that's you guys, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But let every man be swift to hear. I am not always swift to hear. You know, and I think we're inundated with so much stuff now, right? A lot of times I'll say, yeah, I heard something somewhere. I can't remember where I heard it or what, you know, I've got, I've got little bitty pieces of information. Just shut up, Jennifer. You know, just don't talk about it. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't talk. Be slow to speak. Make sure you prepare your words. Know what you're talking about. And slow to wrath. We don't know everybody's story. We don't know the whole story. And, um, I think, especially for our children, it's important to know how much they're being fed. We don't realize how much we're being fed. But if I've looked up something, all these stories are going to come my way are going to feed into that. And I'm going to find myself very angry about things I know nothing about. We need to guard and keep, be wise about what information we're letting in. And I love this proverb, Proverbs 16, 21. wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases I'm sorry increases learning let me read it again the wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases learning now, this is a place of influence our words are a place of influence if we use wise words we have more influence we have more place of influence we have more People trust us and they can let us in and we can, you know, have our, have our say. But if we're always drawing the line and always chaotic and always rude and, you know, then we shut the doors. I have a, a dear relative who loves to post on Facebook and um, you know, I used to kind of agree with her stuff, you know, I just check in on her. she got a dog. She likes to post and. But she said something so hatefully the other day, I thought, oh, you just did, undid everything you ever said. I mean, that just absolutely, now you have no influence. You know, at one point you might've had some influence. You had some empathy going on and some things that were true, but now you just you shut it down because you, you just became judge and jury. 
So our words are a place of influence. Do we want it to be a positive influence? So let's do like we always do and take it on home. Let's talk about our words at home. So we talked about this briefly, but um, earlier, but what are people hearing from us at home? What our husbands think that we are thankful and that we love being with him and that life is good or do they think we just are never happy and that we never, they could never make us happy. So you guys, Shanti Feldman, Feldman she, if, you, if you're new and you haven't read her books, uh, they're just very sweet. She just did a lot of um, interviewing of people, men. Well, in this book, she interviews men. There's one where she um, interviews women. But this one is one of her latest ones. It's called uh, Surprising Secret Secrets of Highly Happy Marriages. And um, it's just it's so full of good nuggets uh, to take home and think about in your own family. But um, basically, the highly happy marriages are ones where the, the spouses choose to trust each other. Choose to trust that they mean well. Choose to trust that uh, that they're not mean spirited, or they, you know, just to give the other the benefit of the doubt. But uh, she calls uh, them the fa fantastic five. So there's a fantastic five for men and a fantastic five for women as far as keeping a highly happy marriage. So for the man, here's the five things that make him highly happy. She notices his effort and sincerely thanks him for it. Even when it's something that he's expected to do. Thanks for taking out the trash. I appreciate that. Thanks for playing with the kids. I was so tired. So if we're thankful, this deeply pleases 72% of all men. If she says to him, you did a great job at, ooh, this deeply pleases him too. 69% of all men love hearing that. You did a great job at. Sometimes we just think we take things for granted, you know? Um, we don't think just because it's something that, we, they sh that should be done, we don't think that he thinks. Here's a biggie. He loves it when she uses her words to mention in front of others something he did well. That goes contrary to being um, teasing him in public to humiliating and do, doing something that you wouldn't like, right? This is a this is a sweet way to encourage him. This is a this is actually a way of influence. <laughs> if if you're going to thank him and be uh, and tell others about it, what are the chances he's going to do it again? Pretty high. That's a pretty good feeling. Hey, you know, my guy, you wouldn't believe what he did. This one isn't about words, but this is Titus 2, and this is Kristen. Uh, she shows that she desires him sexually and that he pleases her sexually. This deeply pleases 85% of all men, which I think that's probably wrong. I think it's 150% of all men. I don't know where she came from. I don't know what 15% of them would say they didn't love him. Um, and number five, uh, she makes it clear to him that he makes her happy. So do you let him know, ladies, that he makes you happy? You can use words, written words. Send him a card to his office with a little perfume on it. You know, let somebody put it on his desk. That's nice. Be sure you put your own return address. <laughs> 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 so 
So just some things to think about with our guys. And I think too, with our words, we need to be really, really careful who we talk to about our guys, you know, and share it with your mom, your sisters or whatever. Um, they may never get over it, whatever it is that uh, y'all went through, but you'll, you'll work through it. Um, and just be careful about teasing in front of the family or anybody really. And how about our children? I think about the um, homeschool mamas, particularly I was one. And a homeschool's mama's job is basically everything, <laughs> right? You're a homemaker, you're a school mom, you are, um, you know, the, sh the shuttle bus. You just, you have it all to do. And it can be really easy just to fall into this thing where you push, 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 push. You've always got an agenda. You've always got something for them to do. What are you doing sitting down? This needs to be done. You know, you never get a time or if you don't make that space. You don't get a time and space just to be mom, just to love on that kid. And we can become hypercritical because everybody's not keeping up with our agenda, right? So I just like to caution moms that are homeschooling and, and all moms, but I just, I know the, the homeschooling thing because I lived it and I'm guilty of some of those things, just driving too hard and not stopping to smell the roses, you know? Um, Here's some things that you can say to them with your words, okay? Tell them the good things you see. I see you're growing up into being a really smart young lady. I see that you've been making really great decisions. I was so impressed that you handled this this way. For some kids, it's gonna be harder to find those things than others, but we can do it. It can be something small. Start small, it can grow to big. Bless them by telling them what you see for their future. I think you're going to be a great mom someday or a great dad someday, or you're going to make somebody a great worker, or you're going to be an entrepreneur. Look at those, you know, just point out the positive traits. You say those come from our words. Those, our kids crave those words. What do you see? What do you see that's good in me? And ladies, if you're divorced, that's harder. That's harder for you. And maybe you see things, um, I didn't start that sentence right, but I'm just thinking about the, um, you know, the consequences of being divorced and um, and not saying the good things or saying things like I, see, you know, you're just like your dad or whatever. But find as many good things as you can to say that connects them to your dad because those dads are important. Doesn't matter where we're at now. And here's a little sentence I just love. It says, "I love watching you." What you know? So you, oh, I love watching you cheerlead, or I love watching you. I ball, I love to watch you color. I love to, you know, I love to watch you. What does that tell them? You're not expecting anything. <laughs> Mom's not giving me a test. She's just watching me and she likes watching me. And it's cool. I love to do this. So those are things. Um, so in closing, I did want to mention one more thing. Um, give you a little homework. It's Titus 3, 1 through 6. Uh, I'd like you to read that at home because the last time I looked, it was 20 minutes ago. I don't know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> But it's talking about um, us as believers, our response to leaders and authorities in our world. Um, and it's talking about the fact that there's the world and there's the Christian heart. And sometimes as believers, we expect unbelievers to understand what it is we're talking about. 
and the dead heart cannot understand the life things of the spirit. So we need to be we need to be aware of our audience things. We are most of the time. I mean, we can't generally you cannot convince somebody through your words or through your beliefs. You know why it's okay to have only two sexes or whatever your argument is. You're not going to argue somebody into the kingdom. We need to share the word of God. We need to share the gospel. Because no amount of talking is going to change somebody. It has to be the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And then God's words, woo, they change our hearts and our minds and our souls. Um, I have a, we have a sweet uh, little texting chat we do with our family. And it kind of got heavy, so we made it into two chats. And this is the newsroom, and this is the everyday room where you see the kids' art and sports and stuff. But I was talking back and forth with my son-in-law. We were talking about abortion and what is the right thing to do and back and forth. And, you know, I know, I've been thinking about it a long time. I know what I think about these things. And, but it didn't come across in a Christian way to him because I left some things unsaid. And so he was able to say to me, Jennifer, remember, you're talking to people who don't believe. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it kind of reset my thinking. Um, we're not going to change people. Ladies, God changes people. We need to be faithful in sharing the word of God. God, Christ died for our sins. We go from death to life by accepting him. And we have a new life and eternity in heaven with him. That's the good news. So, well, ladies, I hope you'll use this to get you through the holidays and every day. I, pray, I hope you go back and look through the Proverbs. Maybe write a couple on them. You know, maybe you see something you struggle with. Make yourself some little note cards and hang them up on the mirror. Remind yourself in the morning about things that you need to be thinking about and praying. So let's close and pray. Dearest Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so very much uh, for your word. I pray that you change us in from the inside out. I pray, Lord, that you would take our tongues and use them for good. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be humble. Help us to love you, Lord, more than we love ourselves, Lord. Just yank that pride right out from under us. Thank you for the ladies here. I thank you that they took the time to come out, Lord, and hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.